We often think of Earth as a wet and lush planet of blue and green, but the dominant color in much of the world is brown. Deserts and dry areas cover vast expanses of the planet and are home to more than two billion people. Producing food in these places is already a big challenge, and climate change is likely to make it even bigger. But what if you could grow food using just seawater, CO2, and desert heat? For the latest installment in our What's for Lunch series on food and climate change, reporter John Miller traveled to Qatar on the Persian Gulf to check out an ambitious experiment in greening the desert. You would be forgiven if you were to visit the pilot site of the Sahara Forest Project in an industrial zone south of Doha, and the word bucolic didn't spring to your lips. It looks like an outpost on Mars, an array of trailers and fences and pipes and tanks and mirrors and concrete slabs, all baking on a rectangle of sand. Behind it looms a gigantic fertilizer factory, roaring like a furnace. But if you look closely, you can see life. In fact, you can taste it. That is a perfect little baby cucumber. Yup, a perfect cucumber from an early test crop grown without soil in a greenhouse that could be pretty much anywhere. What's different here is the way that we keep the climate inside the greenhouse comfortable for the plants. For one thing, says Virginia Corliss, the project's research director, the air is enriched with carbon dioxide that's piped in from that fertilizer factory. And the cooling system is different, too. Because we're located in this very extreme desert environment, rather than using air conditioning or something like that that's very energy intensive, we evaporate seawater. As the water evaporates into the air, according to basic physics, the air becomes cooler and more humid, and it's a great place for the plants to grow. Corliss knows a thing or two about physics. She has a degree in it from MIT. For her Ph.D. at Cambridge University in England, she studied dark matter in distant galaxies. Now at age 30, her concerns are more earthly. This pilot facility is the very first experiment in integrating technologies to produce food and fresh water and clean energy in deserts using seawater. If you look at the crises that the world is facing, we need all of those things really badly. The vision for the Sahara Forest Project, Sahara means desert in Arabic, was provided by a pair of Brits, architect Michael Paulin and engineer Bill Watts. They design facilities that mimic natural ecosystems, where the waste from one component is the food or fuel for another. Joachim Hauga was working as an ecologist in Norway when he heard their idea for greening up the deserts of North Africa and the Middle East. Now he's the project's CEO. We didn't start with the technologies, we started with a thought, and that was, well, let's take what we have enough of, like seawater, like sunlight, like sand, like CO2, to produce what we need more of, food, water, energy, in an environmentally friendly way. This two-and-a-half-acre pilot facility was built to test that idea under real-world conditions. It's here because Qatar has sunlight, seawater, sand, and CO2, and lots of money. The seawater, pumped from the nearby Persian Gulf, is the system's lifeblood. Some of it's used to cool and humidify the greenhouses. Some of it's used to grow algae to produce biofuel, with the leftovers going to make animal feed. Some of it's transformed into fresh water by a solar-powered desalination unit, and some of it may be used to raise fish or shrimp. They're still working on that. The core innovation is the integration of technologies. 
while many of the individual technologies have been developed elsewhere in the world, they've never been brought together in this way. And integration is not easy, but the benefits to the added complexity, we think, are well worth the extra effort. The main benefit, at least in theory, is efficiency. As in nature, almost everything's recycled. And once you've built it, the energy to run it comes from the sun. In fact, Corliss expects that a full-sized facility would consume more CO2 than it produces. This is our desert nursery. She takes me to see her favorite experiment. It's low-tech, but it's one of the most important for tipping the carbon balance. Here we're testing out a lot of native desert species to see which have potential to be cultivated agriculturally. The area looks sort of like a beach volleyball court, except with open-cell cardboard walls that are dripping with seawater. It's the same principle as the greenhouse, only the water's evaporated by the wind instead of a fan. The hope is that the cooler, moister air will help grasses and shrubs and trees take root and eventually spread on their own into the desert. Hence the name, the Sahara Forest Project. Any uh, surprises so far? Really just how spectacularly well they've grown. Of course, the bigger question is whether the whole system will take root and grow. We'd be very happy if we saw this concept being applied, not just by ourselves, but all over the world. If this really opens up a whole set of regions in the world, desert areas, to a new kind of agriculture and energy generation in a way that can really have a global impact. But it's a long way from here to there. To be financially viable, a facility needs to be big. That takes serious money. Not a problem here in Qatar, but plans to build a site in Jordan have moved much more slowly. And then there's the business model. Designing and building complex facilities in harsh environments, then recouping the cost by selling vegetables, electricity, fuel, animal feed, water, salt, maybe fish, maybe fruit, maybe fodder. It's a lot to get right and a lot to go wrong. Nature is a terrific model. It's also the product of eons of trial and error. For The World, I'm John Miller, Cutter.